0: Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching In-Depth on Now You Know. Brought to you by abetterrootplanner.com. This is some fantastic root planner software that you can use in your Tesla or in your electric car to find your charging points. You can use waypoints. It's super accurate. And you can even log in with your car so that it can get all the data that it needs about your actual battery. Also brought to you by EcoWare.com dot us we make new designs every week check out these new ones Mm -hmm. that we've got we've got t-shirts sweatshirts throw pillows uh towels yeah pretty cool tapestries and it's all carbon neutral and a tree is planted for every order so help support the show go to ecoair.us. So we're going to start with a disclaimer here. Jesse and I hold stock in Tesla. As you may well know, we are long on the stock. And what we're discussing on this episode is our opinion and should not be construed as financial advice in any way. So what we're talking about on In Depth this week is the Fudsters window. What? What is what is what? All right. So I've been investing in the stock market since 1983, since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I've watched the patterns of like hundreds of stocks daily since then. So I think I'm pretty good at Recognizing pattern, what you begin to see when you zoom out and you get a perspective on stocks, surprise, surprise, is that stocks go up and they go down, but they do it in patterns. Usually, they churn through an up and down cycle. They usually uh, break out either to the upside or the downside of that of that pattern. And mm-hmm. as Kathy Wood from Ark Invest has said, the longer that churn, usually the bigger the breakout, either to the upside or the downside. Okay. Um, I thought I'd make it a little easier to see here. So this is a chart of Tesla from about 2010 on. And you can see that there's three basic patterns here that once you draw the lines, it looks pretty apparent. Now, without the lines, it can be kind of like, what are you talking about? A little challenging to pinpoint, but I, I see them here, yeah. Yeah, drew in the lines just to make it easier. So that first um, pattern was a very small band of up and down and it happened uh, from 2010 till about, uh, what, 2013. And then it busted out to the upside. Then it started the second pattern, which is even a bigger range. You can mm-hmm. see quite a bit of churn and that's unusual. And that's what we see in Tesla, right? Cause you've got so much, you know, so many of us that are like, it's gonna be big. And you got so many <laughs> short sellers who are like, it sucks. So it's been quite a big churn, but basically it hits a top goes back down to a bottom, hits a top, and then that busted out, and that was in, uh, what, end of 2016, early 2017, busted out into a new pattern that lasted a couple years. Then just recently, we've seen it break to the downside. So here's where the the Fudster window comes in. This is their window of opportunity, Mm. right? Fudsters wait, as we've seen before, for something bad to take place with Tesla and some window where they think there won't be much good news coming. Remember, Q1 We had kind of a bad earnings report about, well, we weren't profitable. Right. Elon said we were going to be profitable the year before. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, but we weren't. So Futzer's like, awesome. Perfect. Perfect. We'll start with this. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, he's out of good news, right? He's done with his autonomy day. He's done talking about the Model Y. -hmm. He's probably going to have another quarter Q2 of losses. Yep. Awesome. That'll be some more bad news that we can pile on with. And there probably won't be any great news until maybe q3 q4 of 2019 that's when car sales generally do really well right as q4 mm-hmm. so good we're gonna have like months and months we can come up with all sorts of bad stories about tesla and he won't be able to really counter with any positive any stories positive of his own stories. so if we can do that long enough we can just wear everybody down right and they'll finally like be like oh my god the stock is just doing poorly i'm gonna sell all my stock but i mean this isn't how the stock market it's not what it's for it's it's not about just like We're going to tell you a bunch of things about this company until you buy or sell it. You know, it should be like, oh, that company is doing well. Oh, I I think that this company has a good long term vision. Therefore, I'll buy. And then hopefully in the future, when things go well, you know, either they're going to start paying a dividend or they're going to, uh, you know, just do very well. And everyone is going to want a share in this company. And then the value of the share goes up and then you sell it right? Right. Tesla is a different kind of company here. We've been telling you this on the show. Uh, We're going up against big oil and big auto. These are multi-billion dollar companies, Mm. trillion dollar markets. And along comes Tesla. And if Tesla does well, it's going to disrupt. It's going to do such a big harm to them. So they would love to squash it. If you can get the stock price low enough, you can actually squash a company, right? Because then they can't go and get more financing and more money. Right. Which Tesla just did. Luckily they just did. Yeah, um, smart to do it. I wasn't so big on the idea in the beginning because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, why would the stock even dip below 200? Mm-hmm. But it did, so great. They've got another 2.7 billion on hand. But I want to remind everyone, we've seen this story so many times before with Tesla and they've always come out a winner. Now we can't promise that will happen again, but I think it looks just like the last few few times. Sure. I think we are going to come out a winner. Um, but remember before, there were some pretty big fuddy things before. Uh, Model 3 production. Tesla can't even make the Model oh, Three. They can't make it; it's just impossible. Now they're making practically almost a thousand a day, right? Or how about this one? This one seemed impossible to get past. Uh, the SEC is going to uh, get Elon fired out of the company, like exactly. Gonna- and and now basically. Just Elon needs to have someone at Tesla read his tweets that he before he tweets them, but he hires that person. Right. So what I guess we'd like to prepare you for here, uh, if since we're looking at this from the Fudsters' perspective, Mm. is that they've got probably another six months of opportunity here in their window where they can really just keep piling on. So I'm going to predict that probably around Q1 of 2020 um, would be the time when some good news will start coming out about profitability mm-hmm. and that's really something you can't play around with that much. You can't much. hide too much about the profitability. Yeah. I okay. mean, how can it's hard to come up with fear and uncertainty when a company's just making money. There'll be so much good news coming out of Tesla then. I mean, uh Shanghai Gigafactory should be fully operational then. True. So you're saying Q1 of next year because they'll hopefully have two quarters of profitability, right. both Q3 and Q4 of this year. Right. And so then it's kind of like as long as they're showing strong profits there, it's kind of undeniable that they're going to be continuing with that. Right. Okay. Because let's not forget a lot of the FUD we're getting now is just based on this self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, the stock is down. That's become its own story. Right. Oh, the stock is down. And you can't you can't run that story forever. And so then they will just, they'll find the littlest, tiniest little chink in the armor and they will attack it. Even though it's not a chink in the armor, it just looks like one. Yeah. They will, the FUDsters will find it and they will present it to you in different he- headline news stories. Yeah, I mean, look at uh, Elon's email. So he's had Elon's had two emails leaked in the past couple weeks, right? Mm-hmm. The first email, uh, they found some bad news in there, right? Elon said to his employees that he needed to cut costs mm-hmm. and uh, we need to save money wherever possible. Okay, and that—that's a bad thing. I mean, that, you would you would be a little worried if the if the CEO was like, "Hey, guys." Just wanted to let you know that the uh, the company-wide vacation to Boca Raton is totally on. Can't wait to see you there. Make sure you to bring your money-burning flamethrowers or whatever. He's not saying that. He's saying every 10th expense is going past my desk, and all the others are going past the CFO's desk. So let's just show uh, an actual piece of his email. He said, it is important to bear in mind that we lost $700 million in the first quarter this year, which is over $200 million per month. Investors, nonetheless, were supportive of our efforts and agreed to give us $2.4 billion, our net proceeds, to show that we can be financially sustainable. That is a lot of money, but actually only gives us approximately 10 months at the first quarter burn rate to achieve break even. It's vital that we respect the faith investors have shown in Tesla, but it will require great effort to do so. Quoting my favorite character from Game of Thrones, Littlefinger. It's not a quote because I forget entirely what he says. But basically, what's the worst thing that someone could be doing to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And picture that. This is exactly what the Fudsters or you should do with Fudsters. He said the $2.4 billion that we just got from our capital raise at the rate of last quarter, quarter one, which was a bad quarter. A- at that, at the loss that we had in quarter right. one. It was we would, $700 million. Right. We would run through that money, specifically that money in 10 months. Right. And what do the Fudsters do? Tesla is going to go out of business in 10 months. Right. Elon said it. No no but look at look at these headlines jesse that's what he said i mean first of all worst case this is like quarter one which is pretty bad quarter oh yeah worst case quarter one all the money that they just got from investors so this is money that they didn't have before right this is even better than it was before but now somehow worse forgetting all the cash in tesla's bank right forgetting all the money that they could be making from next quarter and for getting all the money from fiat chrysler which right. is two billion dollars in, in that's the next a good two point years. plus if they needed money uh there's been no shortage of money from the capital markets mm-hmm. like people smart people know that there's no problem with tesla and yet what are we told tesla is going to run out of money in 10 months right they cherry-picked one teensy tiny little I mean, you had to mash a couple things together, ignore a bunch of very important words to bring forward this article that that Tesla has 10 months to live, which is is insane because it's not true. Well, especially since... Elon was trying to motivate his employees. I mean, which he's really good at. He was mm-hmm. trying to say, "Let's not get complacent here, guys. Let's cut costs wherever we can. Mm-hmm. You know, let's do blah blah blah." And to do that, you kind of do like a coach would do, like at halftime, right? D- right. Come on, guys! I know that we're ahead right now, you guys, but don't worry. Let's pretend uh, we're behind yeah, by ten. We gotta, yeah. We're gonna do this the the right way. Don't slip right. up, right? So it's like if you got <laughs> the coach's speech out of context, you're right. like, the "Coach says that we're gonna lose because we're coach down by says ten. <laughs> that they're actually down by ten <laughs> right. points," and it's like they're up by 20 dude what are you right. what are you talking about and right. and and it's halftime and and right. and so, the other team's like well don't worry well and, and again he, it was taken completely out of context exactly um and it was designed to do what to scare people yeah oh them. my goodness tesla only has 10 months left of money i didn't know that yeah i mean let's look at this article from Dana Hall she's a writer for bloomberg and she's i think she would admit to you that she is a complete tesla bear mm-hmm. um, not A unbiased writer at all, and so she came up with this particular article, which was about Adam Jonas. And instead of telling us what Adam Jonas said on that secret call to investors, she just cherry picked out some some things. So if you read just this article, you would think that Adam Jonas said that what that Tesla was worth ten dollars, ten dollars a share. Yeah, that's not what he said. It's not what he said. Right. His bull case was. $391 $391 a share and his bear case was $230 a share now I think we should explain that to people yeah because uh, bull case bear case for a lot of people who aren't in the stock market they might be like what, what does that even mean mm-hmm. a bull case is if everything goes right we think that this is where the stock could be mm-hmm. and bear case is if lots of things go wrong this is where we think the stock could be it's kind of like if I said to you um, uh, you're going to ask some girl out on a date mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, and you're kind of afraid to do it so I'm sure. like what's the worst thing could happen right I could die that's the ten dollars. Is right. is like uh, that would be like if all the cars exploded tomorrow. Right, Tesla would be worth ten dollars, or the Gigafactory fell down. Right, or, or Elon decided to go live on Mars or something. Right, you know, or, or like, he, you know, fell off a cliff or something. Right. Yes, technically, I guess he's right, but it's kind of it, it'd be true
1: of any w- company.
0: Why be an analyst if you're going to give three ninety one as your bull case, two thirty as your bear case? That's already a tremendous spread, mm-hmm. and then be like, but worst case, it's ten. I mean, I think that we don't know what happened in the call. I'm sure that someone was like, well, what's the absolute worst case scenario that you see for Tesla? And he's like, I don't know, I guess it'd be worth $10 a share if everything went wrong tomorrow. But if everything went wrong tomorrow, Apple, Google, someone would come along by the company and they wouldn't buy it for $10 a share. Let's look at some of the things that uh, Adam Jones did say. Mm -hmm. He said, our revised bear case assumes Tesla misses our current Chinese volume forecast by roughly half. So let's just look at that statement there. Uh, Their bear case, kind of a worst case scenario, Mm -hmm. is if China's volume is, they're just like, ah, half. Right. Okay. But let's look at this a little deeper. Uh, Tesla is building a Shanghai Gigafactory. It's almost built. It's almost built. In fact, they're starting to find people to hire. They're they're already putting out, I don't know what it's called, want ads, uh, you know, in the Chinese newspaper or whatever, to find people to work at the factory. And- when this factory is done, you'll be able to buy a Tesla with no import fees, no import tariffs, no delivery fees, none of that. In China. In China, the biggest car market in the world with Tesla, which is a brand which is synonymous with awesome. Like Mm -hmm. it's right up there with Mercedes Benz. I mean, that's what Chinese people want. It's clean. So the government is behind it. In fact, if the government weren't behind it, there would be no Shanghai Gigafactory. So this is the only American company that's allowed to keep their ownership and work in China. So Amazing story all the way around. Like That could be just dozens of amazing stories. But do you hear about any of that? No, just Chinese demand might be lower. Right. Chinese Gigafactory isn't done yet. Yeah, in January, it was a muddy field. Right. And now they're, they're putting a roof on it. They're putting the walls on it. The thing's almost done. But in Dana's article, did she mention that Jonah has still kept his bull case number at 391? Right. Which means basically he's saying... Uh, if everything goes well then this stock is way undervalued in right. fact it's way undervalued for my bear case at 230 because right. the stock is now sub 200 but FUD keeps coming up with uh, analysts. There's never-ending number of analysts that you can find. So how about Citibank's Itay McCauley? So this is what he said. I don't know if I even know what it means. Mm -hmm. Maintain sell high risk as the risk reward still appears negatively skewed despite the recent capital raise and stock pullback, mainly on lingering demand slash free cash flow concerns, reducing estimates to reflect the recent capital raise, Q1 results guide, and our own inputs. That is not... English sentence words. And the stuff that is understandable <laughs> yeah. in there, he's pulling down his rating because of the recent stock pullback. Let me ask you this question. Yeah, yeah. Let's say you had a favorite pair of socks you've been eyeing every time you go to the store. Mm-hmm. been a little pricey, a little expensive. Yep. Didn't know if it was worth it, but this nice, like, English pair of wool socks. Mm-hmm. And one day you walk into the store and they're half price. Great. No, Spoop no, no. those up. What? No, you should worry that there's something wrong with them, right? They just got cheaper. Why did they get cheaper all of a sudden? I don't think I want them anymore. What, Cheap socks. What then? What are you trying to pull here? What then, But why didn't you, what? No, they're, they're, That's what I'm they're saying. cheaper than they were before. Right. Why does <laughs> he, he, he changed his rating because the stocks pull back. Usually as an analyst, you're like the stock's cheaper. It's a good buy right now. Right. It's whether or not the company is having problems that you should be pulling your, your. your right. The stock price shouldn't have much of an impact on it. No. Also, talking about lingering demand, where's their demand problem? The Shorts have been doing this pretty consistently since I would say about quarter four, when the deliveries of the Model 3 were not good in quarter one, mostly because most of them were on boats and not delivered. Um, and they were like, see, no demand. Absolutely no demand anywhere. No one wants to buy these cars. I don't even want to look at them. Uh, so there's no demand. And they keep saying it. They keep saying that there's no demand, but they are not backing it up at all. In April, the Model 3 was the second best selling car in California. Right. That doesn't sound like a lack of demand to me. Right. Um, And that's an electric car up against ICE cars. So it's just behind the Toyota Camry. It's a brand new electric car that that the world has hardly had a chance to look at against Toyota Camry, which which has been selling well for decades. Exactly, And is that the story anywhere? No. No. Or how about this? CNBC kept running the story about Itali Michele's uh, analyst about his price target, where he said this quote, sees increasing probability the shares plummet more than 80% to $36. Yet, if you read his actual price targets, he's got a price target at $191. Right. So again, this was just something he said, like, you know, if things go horribly wrong or something, it might go to 36 right. And then if you dig deeper, Itay Michele has a buy on General Motors a hold on Ford I mean this guy is is only he only understands the automotive market in terms of old-school automotive right doesn't really understand that Tesla is more than just an automotive company right but let's go to this uh, CNBC little uh, dialogue this was a lot of fun uh, we can't show you the clip but we can play the audio from mm-hmm. it um, so here's Joe Kernan let's see what he asked this analyst
1: okay so Worst-case scenario implies worst-case scenario. Let's say I mean, let's say there's 10 things that can go wrong, and you're 10 for 10. I mean, the whole financial structure of the company, everything goes away. It's it's as bad as it gets. Is ten like? Does that make sense to you Listen, that it stops at ten or does it go to zero? Seriously, I mean ten is kind of ridiculous. I mean either it it's goes zero, the, right, or it's something you know. Would there internally? be any higher if than ten? If the worst, if everything happened and there's no equity left, then you're just as a bondholder, you're just hoping you get something at that point. I mean exactly. So if if, if this ends up that distressed that it's at the ten dollar level, it's going under. Okay, so he basically asked them a
0: bull crap question, Whoa. which I, isn't really a question. I would say, you know, hypothetical questions are are pretty interesting. It's like, it's like, okay, so. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah, okay. If I said to you, if 10 things go wrong in your life, I mean, everything just goes to crap. What then? Right. It's like, uh, all right, so tomorrow all the asteroids hit the earth and also we launch all the nukes. What are the chances you think that you're going to survive that? It's like i don't know is that a thing that's likely to happen right is that a question you ask a stock analyst right. that he basically said if every possible thing goes wrong well okay well that's cool a, that's kind of a silly rhetorical question it's right? a good thought experiment maybe you're like all right well if all the if the internet goes down what what happens to the... it's like dude i don't know we we all don't know that's like a scary thing that we're all worried about it's like what what 10 out of 10 things would go wrong, which you have no basis for. It's not like you're like, well, I think that this, these three things are going to go wrong. Tad over here has five other things he think might go wrong. What if all of these happened at once? That would be maybe a slightly reasonable argument because you're like, oh, I did some research and I found out that Teslas are actually full of little gerbils. Then you might be like, okay. Let's talk about that point. But to just be like, what if everything goes wrong for Tesla tomorrow? What's it going to be worth? I I just want to point out the the reason to have a money show on CNBC is to... Try and figure out what things are valued so that your your viewers, the investors, right. can figure out whether they should buy or sell a stock. It is not to scare people with a bunch of crap right. on a stock. And that's what they're doing. It's a roundtable where they're basically just drilling at this analyst to try and get him to say bad things. This right. is what he actually started off by saying. Yeah.
1: So the reason we weren't uh, more bearish uh, when we rolled coverage back out uh, several months back is the bid from Apple. Around 2013, there was a serious bid from Apple at around $240 a share. This is something we did multiple checks on. I have complete confidence that this is accurate. That Apple bid for Tesla. Apple bid for Tesla. I don't know if it got to a formal paperwork stage, but I know from multiple different sources that this was very credible. So right now Apple is building multiple very large dry rooms in California. What does that mean? They're doing something interesting and exciting on the battery side. Project Titan is absolutely not dead. If Apple had interest then, they would probably have interest now at the right price. And I expect there are other technology companies that would also step in. That
0: like a crazy Hail Mary sort of. Well, even if it's worth not much, there's a buyer out there potentially. Now, this is interesting because uh, to me, it's old news. In Ashley Vance's biography of Elon, uh, it was printed right there for all all the world to see that in in March of 2013, Elon was trying to broker a deal with, with Google because the company was having trouble um, and he was like, if I can get some money from Google and if I can keep running the company myself, we might be able to make it. Right. Um, and so lots of companies like Apple were like, hey, you're selling, we're interested. Right. So along comes this analyst with no hard numbers, basically just says, well, I have no paperwork to back this up, but I know that Apple was interested in buying the company. Well, this is very interesting. And I think it's why they tried to cut him off basically and, and ask him that follow-up question that Rebecca Quick asked. Uh, so this seems like a crazy Hail Mary sort of, well, even if it's worth not much, there's a buyer out there potentially. It is worth a lot. Yeah. Uh, Google and Apple are both trying to get into this space, right, with with Tesla of mm-hmm. self-driving uh, le- electric cars. Right. Google arguably has Waymo, but they don't make the cars. They just make you know, the stuff that goes on the car. So yep. they, would, they would love to get into the space. That means that Tesla, which is arguably the leader in this field, is worth a lot of money. Right. These two companies would definitely come in and buy the company up if it gets cheaper. In fact, I bet they're chomping at the bit right now right. to buy into yeah. the company. And in fact, if Elon didn't own, you know, 22% of the company, they would have already probably bought it. Right. This whole diatribe about like, well, what if everything goes wrong? It's like, okay, what if everything went wrong with Apple tomorrow? What if everything went wrong with Facebook tomorrow? What, what if everything went wrong with GM tomorrow? Right. Where, where do you see the company then? Probably not doing well. You just said they weren't doing well. Right. What you can't give me a, a hypothetical situation. Mean, what, what is supposed to happen? Is Jesus Christ supposed to? Ju- oh, well, actually, I we ran some simulations on this. Jesus Christ would come down from the heavens and hand Elon Musk a giant bag of money. No, no one's gonna say that because obviously it's not gonna happen. I mean, wh- what I think to put this in perspective, let's look at this stock right here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Um, what do you see going on with this stock? So I mean, it was it was up there before, and now and then it took a dip, and then it came back up a little bit, but it's kind of trending down. It looks like it just dropped in a, a huge amount. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's say according to this chart, we bought uh, at the peak there, June two thousand four, at fifty four dollars mm-hmm. a share. Right now, we would be bummed, right? Because it just hit twenty six dollars a share in June of two thousand six. Right. So we just lost half our money right. let's pretend we we paid 10 we bought ten thousand dollars worth of of this stock mm. so now we're sitting on five thousand we've just lost five thousand right. dollars what would you do what would i do yeah i mean gee i don't know i mean it's a would you just get it and save the rest of your money you know get the, at least save the five thousand that's left i mean this thing is obviously going to tank i mean yeah when if i heard a bunch of fuddy news articles on it i i think i might think about that yeah well do you know what stock we're actually looking at no. That's Amazon back in two thousand four to two thousand six. Oh. Well what does it look like now? Uh boys, will you zoom out and show us where it looks like now? Guess, oh. Thirteen years later guess, Oh, that's very different. Guess how much money we made if we kept in. Uh how much? Our ten thousand would have turned into three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh. So like enough to buy a house. Yeah. Like a big nice house. Yeah. Okay. Now it took 13 years, uh-huh. right? It, Amazon didn't become a thing overnight. Right. But at that time, I remember that in June, 2006, most people were talking about that. Why would you even trust this company? Why would you even buy stuff on this company? I mean, it's, you're buying stuff over the internet right. and uh, it, may, it may not even be around in time. You know, it might go out of business before your stuff even arrives at your door. How, how could this take over the industry like what right uh, most most analysts didn't know what to think of this right mm, exactly they didn't know what to think of amazon they were like so it's like a bookstore kind of thing right and, and they're going to sell some other things and as even well if maybe they thought well like this could be pretty good you could buy stuff over the internet were they thinking about uh, that they would own a network that makes movies and tv shows like netflix right, right. <laughs> were they thinking that it would have the, or amazon original movies right would they think that it has shows. the largest um cloud servers in the world that they power most of the internet most people didn't even know what cloud servers were in 2006 they'd be like what kind of cloud service are we talking about right jeff bezos took a lot of money and he just kept pouring it into making the company bigger and better he didn't put it on his profit statement at the end of each quarter to Mm -hmm. be like look at how much profit we have he spent it right people couldn't understand that they're like this company doesn't have any profit it didn't have profit for years and people are just like i don't understand this company Now, do you understand it? Right. Uh, Amazon went public in 1997. And if we look at Tesla stock in comparison, Tesla IPO'd in June of 2010. So one way I like to think of Tesla stock, kind of, is that it's 13 years behind Amazon. Mm -hmm. It's a disruptor. And I have no idea how long it's going to take Tesla compared to Amazon. But it is definitely behind Amazon in terms of time when it started. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you're seeing all this churning now, you're just seeing, I think, what is going to be Way down there at the bottom, you, look there. you know, just this little <laughs> little <laughs> stuff. You're like, oh, isn't that cute? It must have just been like no one was talking about it. We know it was like, oh, this
1: company's going to go under. <laughs> right.
0: But I want to leave you some positive stuff, mm-hmm. right? As you're sitting there watching your Tesla stock drop or wondering if the company's even going to be around in or, a few months. Or reading all the FUD articles. Let's think about the things you're not telling. You. Mm-hmm. Like Jesse said, what about the $2 billion that Fiat Chrysler is going to be pumping into the bottom line of tesla i mean tesla's not even gonna have to lift a finger they're just gonna have to like sign the check and put it in the bank that's that's all they're gonna have to do with that money <laughs> they're not gonna have to produce anything they're just gonna get handed two billion dollars by one of their largest competitors here you go thank you <laughs> do so, you do you have to sign checks that are two billion dollars i don't know maybe you have to stamp are they I the don't... big checks <laughs> that would be hilarious if fiat chrysler had to come over with here you go if ever in my life i have to like Pay lots of money. I'm definitely sending a big check. Yeah, I mean, make them work for it. I, I mean, does that is that harder? I feel like <laughs> that's even easier. well will have to take a picture of it now with the phone. I thought have to get far <laughs> enough away <laughs> on the third floor. So that's that's one cool thing. It's just two billion though. So how about uh, the Maxwell acquisition? So Maxwell Technologies, that's now part of Tesla. No more, no more FUD about, well, the deal probably won't go through. So now they have some dry cell battery technology. They have some ultra capacitor technology, but you know, whatever. The company will probably be under in 10 months or something. How about the, the capital raise? Right. Capital raise actually happened. They raised $2.7 billion. Yep. That's all done. Like, that can't be taken right. away. They, they have that money in the bank now. Right. Yeah, so what about the Tesla Shanghai Gigafactory, which is uh, way ahead of schedule, almost completed. And when it's done, will be the only American-owned car factory in China, which is the largest car market in the world. Right. Where's the news on that? It's here. <laughs> we'll tell you about it. Yes, there's some analysts out there who have some bearish ideas about Tesla, mm-hmm. but there's plenty of bullish analysts out there. Let's look at uh, analyst Ben Callow from Baird. He's got a $400 price target from from Tesla. And he's not alone. There's Colin Roosh from Oppenheimer and many, many more who are still bullish, but they do not get printed in the mass media. And the last thing we'll leave you with is this. So according to John Murphy of Bank of America, as of May 21st, 31% of Tesla shares are now being shorted. He said, in our view, this could set up for a short squeeze in the coming days, weeks, months. Should deliveries, profit losses, cash flow burn come in even slightly better than draconian expectations or should Musk introduce another business venture and or longer term financial target that once again gets bulls excited? Okay, so 31% shorted stock. Yeah. This means that 31% of the stock needs to be bought yes at some point at some point and that's dependent on brokerage houses that's dependent on how long your short was for you know when you bought it and when you have to sell it yeah so the short squeeze is going to happen when all these people who have shorted the stock the 31 percent of the stock that's been already sold have to go buy back the shares because you only have a certain amount of time in your contract before you have to buy it back. So for instance, they might have already sold your shares. Like you own some shares of Mm -hmm. Tesla. Someone might have come along and sold your shares. They're going to have to buy them back to put back into your account. And they've been shorting it all the way down. So I mean, I completely understand shorting a stock. If a company has uh, a company stock has gotten so high and you think like, well, everyone's just lost sight of reality here. This is way overpriced. I'm going to sell it now, short it, wait till it drops buy it back low. But right. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. But here we're seeing that, in my opinion, Tesla stock is already way too cheap. Why would you start shorting it now? You really think it's going to go under? I think that that's the hope. I think that's the hope of, uh, you know, the oil industry. They do not want to see all of these uh, wonderful little profit centers driving around turn into not profit centers for them. Big auto the same way. I mean. You look at any car driving on the road that has a a gas tank and it's a little profit center for them. Tons of little things break. Even though they already sold it, maybe at a loss, they know that they're going to make the money back in selling you a transmission and an exhaust system because they have that one pipe and that costs you know four hundred dollars. And so when you go to the the place and they're like, "Gee, that's going to be a four hundred dollar fix," and you're like, "Really? All right, aluminum tape it is." You know, like that is exactly who is going to lose if Tesla does well. But here's the thing: those shorts, like we said, have to buy the stock back and they have to do it fairly soon. So there's going to be that what's typically called a short squeeze, which means that all those people that don't want to be buying the stock are going to be forced to buy it and that's going to drive the price up. And as the price goes up, more and more people are going to have to get in there quick before the price gets too high and buy it again and buy it again and it just starts a really quick rise and that could very conceivably happen. So we just wanted to give you a little bit of the other side of the coin because we've been hearing nothing but the negative side of the coin. Um, There's so much good news about Tesla. You're not gonna hear about it in most of the mainstream press, either because they don't seem to understand it or know about it or because they really don't wanna tell you about Mm -hmm. it. But while we're hearing all these negative stories, which are generally just blown out of nothing, there's a lot of actual good stuff that's happening. And again, the shorts are overshorting the stock. I mean, I think if you could take the shorts out of this equation, Uh, none of this would be happening. I mean, if the shorts didn't seem to have just this never-ending wallet of money that they could keep pouring and this is what it is i mean i I can't tell you folks i've been watching the market forever Mm -hmm. i've never seen this much shorting going on Mm -hmm. you can't short this much it doesn't work this is basically big oil and big auto saying well we don't care how much we lose just just keep shorting (laughs) it keep shorting it keep that stock down yep um yeah and we didn't even talk about robo taxis that's right thanks for hanging around watching us guys we really appreciate it don't forget to like and subscribe and uh sure and yeah share it share it share the video That's click right. the share button you can start at any time point you want oh yeah there's click that. the share button and then you can just cut to a point in the video that you thought was interesting share it with somebody yeah. that you think might be interesting let's fight the fud fight the fud stay strong now you know